people's kills. But I can imagine the day before, or the, the time before, when he heard about that my my father's area needed rebuilding. He was wondering how he was going to get the bill, but God had a plan the whole time. And see, anytime you need something from God to fulfill a purpose, he's got a plan, but you got to follow it. And if he puts favor on you before somebody else, we can't say, hey, I don't need your help because that's turning away the help of God. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound Broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Last week, I'm just going to give you just a few highlights from last week. We talked on the subject, first of all, what is good? And we talked about good can be defined as that which is suitable, excellent in nature, and beneficial. Our scripture reference it was Psalms 34 and verse 8, which basically says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What a powerful text that David reminded us that taste and see, experience the Lord, and you will know he is good, he is beneficial, he is excellent, he is outstanding, and he is an understanding God. And, of course, we really emphasize the importance of thinking the proper thoughts when it comes toward God. Whatever, uh, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 is the scripture. Finally, brother, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think about these things. Think about these particular things. And, of course, we understand, amen, that when we do this, we're, we're, when we think better, we can do better. If we think better, we can do better. And I want to pick it up in Philippians chapter 2 this morning because we're still dealing with Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. So turn your Bibles with me to the book of Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 8, because we're going to get down to the point where we understand how important it is, is that we have a good mind to work, a good mind to work. But we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 8, before we go over to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. And let me say what happened before in Nehemiah chapter 1. Very, well, Nehemiah had gotten some news. He had gotten news that his hometown, the wall was broken down. The area was in ruins. And it bothered Nehemiah. And really it bothered Nehemiah because it bothered God. And, God, and Nehemiah had the heart of God. He had the heart of God. And so he had received the news in Nehemiah chapter 1 that his town, his hometown, was in ruins. His hometown was in ruins. And he, and he was a man who had a heart for his hometown. But Nehemiah also had a job. He had, well, he had to do certain things. He was a cupbearer, cupbearer for the king. And he was 
I believe what I would consider when you read the text and you study the scripture out, he was the king's main cupbearer. And he had been with the cupbearer for evidently a long period of time. I, I'm not saying years, the Bible doesn't really know, but it was a good amount of time. And I'll explain that to you as we go through it. And he had a job to do. He had a job to do. And I can imagine when Nehemiah got the news in his mind, he said, I want to do something about my hometown. But he couldn't at the time because, one, in his mind, he didn't have the resources. He didn't have the means. He couldn't get all work to go and do and take care of his hometown. He was in a dilemma. But his heart was heavy. His heart was heavy. And so we're going to pick up in Nehemiah chapter 2 because he had to go back to work. He had received in Nehemiah chapter 1 that his hometown was in ruin. But he picked it up in Nehemiah chapter 2 in verse 1. Now it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerus, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. That's a powerful statement, ain't it? I'd never been sad in front of my, the king's presence before. But I still had a job to do. He had to make sure that the king had his wine. And so he, he brought it before the king, but he was sad. He had never been sad before. Never. And I, that's a powerful statement within, within itself. Because that means he had a, a good attitude. He had a good mindset when he went before the king. And I wonder if the Lord looked at us, will we have a good mindset when we go before our supervisor? Will we have a good mindset when we go before those who we, the Lord has, the job that he put us on? Do we have a good mindset going before the supervisor? In verse 2, it says, therefore, the king said to me, why is it your faith, why is your faith sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. It didn't take a, a high level of discernment to figure out that something was wrong with Nehemiah. He was in a situation, his face was sad, but the king realized you're not sick, but there is sorrow of heart. And it, and it goes on to say, so I became dreadfully afraid. One of the reasons he became dreadfully afraid is what historians tell us that if the king didn't like your attitude, it wasn't no, uh, you get fired, you were literally killed. So he was afraid. He was afraid. And then in verse, goes on to say here, and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Notice he, he described to him the dilemma that was going on at his father's tomb or his home where he was from. And then the king said to me, what do you request? Wow. What do you request? What do you request? He told him the dilemma. It wasn't a long, drawn-out conversation. But you notice something about God. He'll turn the heart of the king any which way he can. And evidently, he had turned it toward Nehemiah. Ooh, isn't that powerful right there? 
He had turned toward Nehemiah. But notice what he said to Nehemiah. What do you request? What do you request? What do you, not, not what you need, but what do you want? What do you want? But notice Nehemiah's response. So I prayed to the God of heaven. That have been some of us, no, I don't need anything. And I've been guilty of this myself. God has sent help my way, but as soon as they ask me for help, I'm like, no, I don't need nothing. Mm-mm. You know, when I was thinking, meditating on this, I know some of you right now, if I would call your name, you'd know who you are. And, but I can just tell you this. God has used some of you all in this sanctuary. I'm talking about in the sanctuary right now. That God has put favor on your life. And, and when you went before your supervisor, you went on your job, and the church needed something, they asked you, and you blessed not only the church, but the entire community. God used you to bless the community. Because why? Of the favor of God on your life. And when they ask you, did you need something? God put upon your heart, hey, we need this, that, and the other. And they blessed you with it. I'm glad you didn't do like some folks do. Oh, I don't need anything. And you got a big old need stamped all over your face. Everybody know you need something. Everybody knew he needed something. Everybody knew Nehemiah needed something. And the king asked him, what do you need? But I'm glad he prayed. Because God could have said, shh, don't say nothing. But he said, but notice something Nehemiah did. Nehemiah did this. Verse 5, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. So, he put his request before the king. I like that about Nehemiah. He, he, He was very polite. He did it the right way. He put it before the king, and now it was up to the king to respond. But notice something, though. He had put it, he did not leave the request unknown. One thing I like about Nehemiah, he said, hey, if he asks me what I want, I'm going to put it before him. And sometimes when people ask you, do you need help, you need to put it before him. You need to lay it out. You need to be respectful. You need to be doing it in a way that is... uh, pleasing to God, and also, too, you do it in a way that pleases God. You got to do it politely. You got to do it the way Nehemiah did it. See, notice what Nehemiah did. He said, if it pleases, if it pleases the king. And notice something else about Nehemiah. Nehemiah had other skills, too. Not only was he the wine bearer, he could also build as well. Y'all might know him as a carpenter. He could build as well. So he had multiple skills, but I can imagine the day before, or the time before, when he heard about that my, my father's area needed rebuilding, how am I going to get it built? He was wondering how he's going to get it built, but God had a plan the whole time. And see, anytime you need something from God to fulfill a purpose, he's got a plan, but you got to follow it. And if he puts favor on you before somebody else, We can't say, hey, I don't need your help because that's turning away the help of God. Can you imagine if he had told him no when God had already set it up for him? 
He had already laid it out. He had already put everything in order. He had laid it out before the king. He put it in the king's heart to help Nehemiah. But what if he didn't say, you know what? I don't need no help. We're going to be all right the way we are. And some of us mess up just that bad when we say stuff like that. Because God knows you need help. And he's, he, you got the help stamp on your forehead. And now you're telling folks you don't need help. When you need help, just let folks know. As the Lord leads, of course, that I need help. That I need help. And so notice what he says here in verse 6. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. The king wanted him back because he was a good employee. Now, there's some people that are like, well, you ain't got to come back. You need to stay over there with your folks because we don't even want you to come back anymore. There's some people who wouldn't have had that conversation with the king because they, they had messed it up so many times before that when God could have used them, they are messed it up, couldn't, can't even get a cup of water. Because why? The attitude ain't right. They act like uh, the job owe them something. Oh, got quiet right there. That's okay, though. You can get in a situation where God can't use you because you're, listen, think about this. If Nehemiah, let me put it to you like this. If Nehemiah's attitude would have been nasty, always had a frown on his face, always been doing this, that, and the other, you think the king would have said, you need anything, Nehemiah? Because you know how you are with some of your uh, people that work for you. You know the ones that treat you right. You know the ones that do right. And you know the ones you're like, well, Lord, I just need them for the season of my life. As soon as the season over with, we gone. We separate, going our separate ways. But Nehemiah was a person that the king wanted back. And it goes on to verse 7. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they might present me to pass through till I come to Judah. Nehemiah paid attention to protocol. Nehemiah just didn't sit in there. See, I know something about Nehemiah. Nehemiah watched how things were done. Nehemiah, see, sometimes we get access to information, but we act like we don't need the information down the road. Sometimes God will give you access to information because he knows he's going to use that information for a later date. Sometimes you're in a meeting, and you're like, why am I in this meeting? I ain't got time for this meeting. Now, God's trying to set you up for something. God's trying to set you up for promotion. He's trying to set you up for increase. He's trying to set you up so he can use you later for his kingdom. See, Nehemiah was sitting there. Hey, Nehemiah was paying attention. Notice, the king didn't say this. Nehemiah said this. Hey, hey, Nehemiah, hey, king, you know what I need? I need some letters. I need letters because if I don't have no letters from you, hey, I might not can make my journey that I'm going on. If I got a letter from you, though, ain't nobody going to stop me. Because if I got this letter, I guarantee you, if they try to stop me, it's just like stopping the king. And anybody try to stop the king, they through. So, Nehemiah knew protocol. So, I can imagine when Nehemiah, would, listen, 
He, he had a good attitude while he was. See, he, let me say this to you. He poured the king's wine, and I can imagine, this is me, me imagine Nehemiah. At the king was just sitting there, and Nehemiah would just sit back with the wine glass, but he was watching stuff. He was observing. He was paying attention how things were doing. He was sitting on the wall talking about, uh, I wish I could get off early. Uh, I wish I uh, uh. I didn't want to be here. They, they don't need no more wine. They got all the wine they need. Uh, I'm going to, uh, Nehemiah was just sitting there with a good attitude. He was watching how things were being done. So when God get ready to use him, remember the day before or the time before, Nehemiah didn't know how, well, how he was going to get all his, everything done. But now God has set a plan before him. And Nehemiah had paid attention so he knew what to do when God laid it out before him. I want to know, do we pay attention when God lays out information before us? Does we pay attention? Are we so busy? Uh, I don't want to be in this meeting. Uh, I don't want to be here. Uh, I don't want to be here. Missing all the information that's flowing in the room. Missing all the information that's going to prosper you. Missing all the information that's going to make you better. Missing all, listen, could be another promotion opportunity. M missing out on a business opportunity. Why? Because our attitude ain't right sitting in the room. But Nehemiah's attitude was right. How do you know, Pastor Dobb? Because he knew to get a letter. He knew to get a letter. Think about this. You think the average Joe would have knew to get a letter? Hmm. Average Joe would have got out there and went and ran to the first roadblock. Who are you? We don't, hey, you, where your credentials at? Well, uh, what happened was, <laughs> and that would have been it. Story would have been over with. But Nehemiah knew to get a letter. Nehemiah got that letter. You know what he did? He had that letter close to him, but no, no Nehemiah knew to get a letter. Hey, I'm going to need some material. Because Nehemiah, I ain't got no money. I don't know. Uh, this is my thinking. I ain't got enough material to get all the stuff I need. I don't have enough material to get, make sure I can rebuild the wall that has been torn down. Notice what he said in the next verse. In verse 8. Excuse me, hold on. Sorry. Yeah, here we go. Let me read 7. I'll go down to 8. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they may permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asap, the keeper of the king's force. He knew exactly who to make the letter from. He's, see, evidently, while he was pouring that wine, he was remembering names. He was remembering names. Oh, that's Asap. Oh, ASAP got some power. ASAP got some influence. ASAP got the king's force over there. ASAP got resources. ASAP, and I can imagine, see, ASAP and the king were probably doing business, and I can imagine, hey, they need a little wine. Okay, I give you a little wine. He was listening the whole time. He was watching. Oh, ASAP got a lot of resources. He may not have said nothing, but he had access to information. And he was able to use the information that he had access to. How many of us have access to information, but we just let it go to the wayside? And then we get mad. That why ain't they promoting me? Why ain't they doing this, that, and the other for me? Why? Because you missed the opportunity when God gave you the opportunity to get the access. 
Oh, you missed when, when God could use you to, to, to execute his favor. You were so busy with a nasty attitude. So busy. You was in the room with the meeting, but you missed the information that came through the meeting. And now you're mad and wondering why you're not getting ahead and why you're stuck in the place that you are because God can't prepare you for where he wants to take you. You miss your prep days by with a... You miss your prep days. Some of you in the room, in the sanctuary right now, you did not miss your prep days. And God blessed you with a job opportunity. He... But he blessed you, amen, with opportunities of promotion and increase. He blessed you with opportunities. And you like, and, and so when you, when you got the right information, you can buy almost write your own ticket with the right, right information. But when you don't have the right information, you're scattering, you're running. I can take anything. You see, now when you got the right information, you can make choices. You can say, okay, God, you want me to do this? No, okay, well, I can hold back because I got the right information. Because God can open another door man can't shut. Because he knows how to do that. And so Asaph, he knew Asaph. He knew exactly who to write the letter to, and he knew that he had the resources. Notice what he said in verse 8. And the letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. Notice all that wood he had to get. Not only the wood, but the resources in order to build it. All of that. He said, listen, you write this letter, king, I know ASAP won't give it to me. Because why? He ain't got no choice. He got to do just like you told him to do. And you know what the king said in verse, in the latter part of that text? And the king granted them to me according to the good hand, upon, hand of, God, of my God upon me. So it wasn't just the fact they gave the letter to him. It was the hand of God that was on Nehemiah's life. I, I believe this. The hand of God was not just for Nehemiah, but it's for every believer in this sanctuary. That God will, can use you to promote you, to give you increase, to take you to the next level. But he's got to get you ready by getting you in the right room and getting you the right information. He's got to get you the right information. Nehemiah went from one day, what am I going to do? To the next day, he got everything he need to go rebuild that wall. Man, can you see how God can just open up a door all of a sudden that no man can shut? If you'll just allow him to prepare you for what you got next. So, therefore, I got to take advantage of when God gives me the opportunity to receive his word. Because I can receive his word. It prepares me for what God has for me in the future. He, listen, I can receive his word. It can prepare me to get out of debt. It, I, can, I can think better. I can talk better. And I can act better. Why? Because I got a word from God. He's preparing me. He's preparing me on a Sunday morning. I know God's getting me ready to do great things. Amen. Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor is entered to the heart of man. Everything that God has prepared for him. But notice it's something he prepares for you. 
He's getting us ready right now. He's getting us ready. It could, God could use you to pay the church off. God can use you, amen, to buy somebody a car. God can use you to use you to buy somebody a house. God can use you to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. God can use you for his kingdom. Why? But he's got to prepare you. He's got to prepare you. He's not going to just throw you out there and mess everything up. When Nehemiah had the opportunity, Nehemiah was ready. Did Nehemiah have a need? Nehemiah have a need? Yes, he had a need. But you know what Nehemiah did? He had a good work habit. In my mind, Nehemiah had a good work habit before he even went to build the wall. See, one thing about Nehemiah, he, I believe Nehemiah said, you know what? I'm going to make the best of this opportunity right here. Listen, Nehemiah must have been a builder because he said, hey, let me go build a wall, king. You got to have some skill to build a wall, y'all. You got to have skill to build a house. You got to have skill to build the things that uh, he was talking about there. You got to have some type of skill. So this was something he did in the meantime until he could fulfill his purpose. And sometimes you're going to do things to fulfill. Listen, oh God, I hear you, Lord. Sometimes you're going to do stuff and it may not be in the perfect will of God right now, but let God prepare you. Let God continue to use you because one day he's going to open up a door. Man, somebody, somebody, Lord, I hear the Lord speaking to somebody in the sanctuary. I pray that you receive it. He's preparing a door for somebody in this sanctuary. You know what? I received that door if you don't want to get it, praise God. Because you know what? I want what God has for all of us. All of us. Amen. Let me read a few things to you before I go into uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. One of the things we notice in this particular text, and we were in, in verse 8. He, the king granted him. He permitted and delivered to them according to the good hand of, of my God upon me. The good hand is the valuable hand. When God's hand is on you, it's going to make you prosperous. It's going to make you prosperous. When the good hand of God is upon your life, you are going to prosper. Why? Because it's the good hand of God. It may not look like it at first, but let me remember the definition of prosperous. Prosperous, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. God is going to get the good hand of God. It's going to make your life better. It's going to make your life better. Some was trying to do it on our own, though. When I met some of us, King offer you help. Oh, I don't need any help, y'all. I'm okay the way I am. Trying to do it on y'all. When God is trying to send help your way. God is trying to send help my way. God knows I need help. And see, this is the thing. God knows where you're going better than you know where you're going. That's for the Holy Spirit is preparing you right now for what he has for your life. He's preparing me right now for what he has for my future. Jeremiah put it like this. I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope, a future, and expect it in. I believe God got a plan for all of us in this sanctuary. But will we allow God to prepare us for where we're going? Or we're going to try to do it on our own. Oh, you need help, son? No, I don't need no help, God. I got it on my own. Don't that sound like some of us? Oh, I got it, God. I'm okay the way I am. No, sometimes 
You got to say, God, you said to me, help. I appreciate the help. I appreciate the help. Let's, let's practice that real quickly. Repeat this after me. I appreciate the help. Again, I appreciate the help. One more time. I appreciate the help. Got to have the right attitude when help comes, though. You can't tell, act like somebody owe you something when they help you now. Oh, I owe you. Really? I'm volunteering. Let's get out of that, y'all. Anyway, we have to realize when the hand of God is upon me, people will do and give and turn things over to us. Not because of us, because his hand is upon us. Woo! And his purpose is involved. Nehemiah was in the purpose of God. Therefore, God says, I'm setting this thing up for Nehemiah. Nehemiah is sitting around watching and listening, seeing how things run. He knows some stuff, but he don't know how I'm going to use that stuff, what he knows. God has dropped some information in your spirit and in your mind right now. You don't know how you're going to use it, but God does. You think it's useless information, but God knows exactly what he is doing in your life. I'll give you one quick testimony. Uh, I remember I used to uh, be in the sound room, and I used to work the sound up at the church uh, that we came out of. And you know what? I couldn't tell. They said, turn the high up. I didn't even know what high was. They said, turn the low down. I didn't know what low was. But I used to mess with the buttons until I finally got something what they liked. Who knew one day I'd be up in the sound room trying to help? <laughs> God knows what he's doing. I thought it was useless information. I don't need to, I don't need to know how to work no sound. I never used sound before in a church now with sound. Are y'all following me? You got to know how to work just in case some things happen. Are y'all following me? You got to, now, don't think what God lets, lets you hear and receive is useless information. God knows what he's going to use for your future. Some of you, some of you reason you're in the house. I was in a uh, meeting one time when I used to work for the bank. And they're talking about first-time home buyers. I'm like, well, you know, I ain't got to worry about that. You know, we, we all right. Well, boy, when I need a home, guess who's getting that information? I was. First-time home buyer. And then he told me, uh, my, I remember I was in the meeting. He said, you got, sometimes you got to look for houses in certain ways and certain, certain possessions and so forth. And the very thing that he told me led us to the first house that we ended up purchasing was in a meeting, listening to somebody talk. Didn't think it was that, but it was something that was beneficial to me and, and us to the long run. Information like that will help you to, to be all that God has called for you to be. Now, let's go over to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah, we, we got the setup now. Nehemiah got his material. He got the things that he needed. Or excuse me, he's got access to the things that he needed. And so now, now remember now, Nehemiah got his letters. He got the letter to go to over to, back to his house. Every time he got stopped, he threw that letter up there. At least that's what I would have did. Bam, there it is. Kept walking until he got to his hometown. I need some material. Boom, got another letter from the king. Got all the material you need. And now they're rebuilding that wall. They're rebuilding the wall. But anytime you're doing something for God, somebody's going to try to be a hater. They don't want you to get stuff done. And I, let, me, let me start Nehemiah 4 and 1. 
Nehemiah 4 and 1. I know you've already turned there. I know you already turned there. So let's go. Let me get there. Nehemiah 4 and verse 1. But that so happened when Samballot heard that we were building the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. Notice, when you start rebuilding, somebody's going to try to mock you, try to ridicule you, try to laugh at you and insult you. When you start doing a good work, there's somebody that's going to try to mock you, ridicule you, laugh at you, and insult you. But you got to be able to focus in on what God told you to do. You got to be prepared for the same balance in your life, in our life as well. When you start rebuilding, they want to mock you. They want to mock you. They want to mock you. And they cannot stand progress and productivity, especially from you. Let me let let that sink in for a moment. If you were not rebuilding, they'd have been quiet. Notice, they said something. They started mocking them as they were building. But remember, if they weren't building, no mocking would be going on. You need to understand something. When you start building, sometimes people are going to try to mock you. When you are establishing something, when you're making your life better, people are going, some people are going to try to mock you. They're going to try to mock you. But you know what I got to do, though? I got to make sure I'm not a symbolic, mocking other people who are moving forward. Other people that are trying to do better. Some people, oh gosh, let me kind of put this in kind of synopsis. When you're starting to rebuild and you're starting to redo something for the kingdom of God, everybody got a critical eye somewhere about one thing you ain't doing or two things you ain't doing. When are you going to start rebuilding something? When are you going to start doing this, that, and the other? Some people think it's easy doing what you do. Some people think it's, you know, it's easy what you do. And I can criticize you because I'm not doing anything. It's easy to be a similar sideline. You know, one thing I try not to do, and I know I'm guilty of it, is when I watch ball games, and I watch them folks out there at the ball game, and I'm, I'm that sideline uh, coach. Why don't they do this? And why don't they do this? And why don't they do this? And why they don't do that? And I got to watch myself because, you know, I'm not out there. And I know it's different when you're out there because I've been out there, and I know what it's like when you got a man that weighs twice your weight, he trying to knock your head off, and you, <laughs> you got to make a decision just like that. It's a different ball game. It's a different ball game. So you got to be careful. You're not that negative Nelly that comes up, come to ridicule, insult, making little comments about, uh, about under the breath. I, listen. Even, don't even try to comment on social media, in my opinion, about other people, because you really don't know their situation. Therefore, we need a good mind to work around some balance, because they will find subtle and sometimes bold ways to oppose the work. Then Nehemiah 4 and 2. And he spoke before this brother and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Well, they fortify themselves. With that, do they have a desire, a choice, or aim to fortify themselves? 
Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in the day? Will they revive the stones from the heads, heaps of rubbish, stones, rubbish stones that are burned? One, another way that people try to get you off of your good work is to get you to question our God. Get you to question our God. To question our God. Even though God has directed us to do something, the symbolics in our lives will question us and attempt to create doubt in us. They will try to make us doubt ourselves and doubt our abilities. They'll try to make us doubt our God, the creator and maker of all things. They will set a cycle of questions in our minds. Will God get me out of debt? Will God heal my body? Will God deliver me? Will God bring me out? How long do I have to go through this right here? Did God even hear my prayer? God, did you, did you hear? I want you to do this, that, and the other. And you know the problem we have is, don't you? He don't do it on our timetable. I thought I heard three amens right there. But okay, the rest of y'all pray for the rest of us, okay? He don't do it on our timetable. And so when he don't do it on our timetable, we're like, well, God, did you hear me? Didn't I pray right? Didn't I give right? Didn't I do this, that, another right? And you start to examine your life and you try to figure out, well, when is God going to do this, that, and the other? And it's only just playing into the sound ballots in your life. The sound ballots. And they'll, not only with the sound ballots in your life, they'll bring other people around you. They'll bring other people around you and have them chiming in on what the sound ballots are saying. See, sound ballots can be at work at home and even in the church. But Tobiah can walk up and he got something smart to say to him. You know, like Nehemiah 4 and 3. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. A fox? Really? Now, see, if you ain't careful, you'll call the attitude, and you're about ready to hit Tobiah in the mouth. But you can't have that type of mindset. What they try to do is get you off your assignment. Trying to get, listen, Get you fired from your job talking mess in the bathroom. And there you are fighting with somebody that ain't got a lick to do with your house. You can't let people take you off your assignment. You can't let people take you away from what God told you to do. Those Tobias will come up now. They'll come up at your school. They'll come up at your business. They'll come up at your uh, in your single life, they'll come up because they'll question what you're working on. They have you questioning what you're working on. There's always a remedy for the sound balance, though, because they have, they, there's always a remedy because they have you question the very thing that God told you to do. They have you question it. Can you do it? Can you really get out of debt? Can you really? And can you really be delivered? Because, you know, you've been doing this for years. Can God really bring you out? Without you going back again and again, come on, uh, woman at the well, you've been married a number of times now. Why, why are you married? Why are you? Will you ever settle down? 
will you ever get this thing right? You talking about coming out of debt for years now, but here you are going back in debt again. Will you ever get out of debt? Will your mind ever get right? Will your marriage ever get together? Will your single life ever get together? Start questioning the very thing you've been working on. But Nehemiah knew prayer to the one true God would change this situation. Nehemiah 4 and 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their heads and give them a plunder to a land of captivity. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. We're in contempt of feeling that a person is. We feel worthless. Turn their reproach, their scorn, and disgrace on their heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Oh. Notice this. People will mock you, despise you, have you questioning your God. They'll have it all for you. And these, listen, it wasn't just in Nehemiah's day. They do the same thing today. You're trying to get your life together and people are mocking you. You say, I'm going I'm to start doing right by God and people will despise you or ridicule you. They'll begin to question the very thing that you said you're going to do for God. And they'll question you so much, they'll have you questioning it. But notice Nehemiah 4 and 5. Do not cover and do not let their sin be blotted out before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Oh, my God. Notice how Nehemiah prayed. See, that's why when you got a praying individual, they can cause havoc for somebody else. But one lesson I learned when I was reading this, even if we do pray, sometimes it will not stop the insults. It will not stop the mocking. It will not stop the questioning. It will not stop it. But the prayer will put you in a better position to handle it. The prayer will put you in a better position, amen, to continue to build. And while you're praying, you're still working. And while you're praying, you're still giving. And while you're praying, you're still fasting. And while you're praying, you're still witnessing. And while you're praying, you're still being Christ-minded. While you're praying, you're still doing what God has instructed you to do. Thank God for God that loves us enough. That will say, hey, listen, I know you're going through, but while you're praying, keep on giving. While you're praying, amen, while they're still mocking you and ridicule you, and, and let me say this to you. One thing about it, it may not stop the Sam Ballas and Tobias in your life, but it can have you in a better mindset to deal with these individuals in your life. Could be relatives, could be coworkers, could be people, you so, your so-called friends, but you need to have the, the mindset that no matter what happens, I'm going to keep on building. I'm going to keep on building. I'm going to be like Nehemiah 4 and verse 6. So we built the wall. We established it and we restored it. We built the wall. 
Listen, I know they were mocking us, but we were still building. I know they were insulting us, but we were still building. I know they were questioning us, but we were still building. I know they were saying all types of things, but we were still building. You got to be like that in your personal life today. No matter what they tell you, you got to keep on building. Listen, I know they told you you couldn't have your heart's desire, but you got to keep on building. Listen, people may not believe in you. They may not give you anything. They may not be like the king, but I got to keep on building. I may not be as fast as you, but I'm going to keep on building. I may not, can be, it may not be as pretty as yours, but I'm going to keep on building. Hallelujah. To get to the place where God want me to be. Oh, I love that about Nehemiah. They were mocking him, insulting them. They were talking about them, but he kept on building. You got to know. That whatever God calls you to do, you got to keep on building. Keep on building. And not just build anything. You build it the way God wants it built. Some of us need to build our prayer life up. I know they laughed at your prayers. Say, only, only prayer you pray is now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. They laughing at you, but keep on praying it to you to break up into our Father, which art in heaven, how will be thy name, thy kingdom come. They may laugh at you for years, but after a while you come in there, hey, glory be to God. They laugh at you, but they ain't laughing no more because they'll be coming to you at night. Hey, can you pray for me? <laughs> Because I'm going through something right now. Oh, hallelujah. They laughed at your giving. You put, listen, you like the widow woman with the mic. You brought in your last, but now you're giving God a good tithe and a good offering. They laughed at you. You're talking about you barely made it to church, but look at you now. You here every Wednesday, you every Sunday, you keep on building. Lord, you're going through right now. They said you wouldn't have this, that, and the other, but look at you now. You driving in it, you living in it. You got the promotion. You got increase. You got it all. Keep on building. Woo! Somebody look at your name and tell them, keep on building. Five, five, six people tell them, keep on building. Keep on building. I know you're getting weary. I know they're talking about you. They said you can't do it, but keep on building. Yeah, keep on building. I know they said you wouldn't have a business, but keep on building. They know you couldn't do it, but keep on building. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy come up in the morning. That marriage is going to come. That single life is going to come. That business is going to come. That car going to come. That house going to come. That peace that passes all understanding is going to come. But keep on building. And before I close, let me remind you again. It won't stop the insults. It won't stop the mocking. It won't stop them talking about you. But we ain't focusing on that stuff. We keep it on building. We're going to keep on building. Listen, they, they may laugh at us, amen, hit down here at 3097 South Van Worth Railroad, but we kept on building, didn't we? <laughs> Glory! We kept on building. 36 acres later, and we still building. I meant a podcast, still building. YouTube channel, still building. Brand new chairs and carpet, still building. So you know if God will do that for the ministry, what he going to do for you?
What he going to do for you? What he going to do for you? I know they're laughing at your hoopty, but keep on driving, baby. Keep on driving for one day. You're going to be leaning. I ain't, I ain't gonna say, I want to say gangster lane, but I can't say it. I can't, I can't say it. But you have to lean. Then you might just pop, hit that button, that roof to slide back. Slide back and the sun come down in there. That's a, then you're like, let me get them shades and the Ray-Bans over in the corner right here and put them on here, baby. I, I, I'm a, I, keep on driving. I know they're laughing at you, but keep on driving. I know, I know, hey man, you got to put $2 in right now, but keep on driving. Keep on driving, and after a while, you'll fill the tank up, and then you'll buy Vegas. They laugh at your house now, but one day they're going to need somewhere to stay. Keep on doing right. Keep on cleaning the house up. Keep on doing right, Bob. Keep on building. Keep on building. Keep on building. Don't get weary. I know scripture's on the page, but I didn't go to it. But don't get weary in well doing. For in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. If my reap, if you faint not. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer request and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the Give button to give online, or you can utilize text to give text give to the number 770-692-2225 that's 770-692-2225 join us on our youtube channel subscribe to our podcast and connect with us on social media we also invite you to join us in a live service we're located at 3097 south van Wert road in villarica georgia Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.